Hi, everyone. Tom Rogers here, Director of Teachers Talk Radio. Thanks very much for tuning in and listening to this show. This show is sponsored and supported by Witherslack Group, Collins Big Cat, and by Renaissance. We can't be more excited to be sponsored by these fantastic companies. Please check them out on their websites, which are available through our website at ttradio.org. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, the time is 1pm on Sunday the 30th of January and you're tuned in to the Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. In today's show, it's Pastoral CPD Clinic 4 and I'll be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Mr All Things Pastoral and we'll be discussing just that. Today it's to do with anti-bullying in school and also conversation around the challenges most commonly faced by pastoral staff. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio. Good afternoon, people. I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful weekend so far. Um, I see some well-known names in the room. Some of the regulars. Nice to see you. Seema, I see you. Karen, Dale. Um, who else is there? TSCW, Mr. Tom Hopkins-Burke. Um, just welcome. It's great to be here again. I wasn't here last week. Um, yeah, just plans change, unfortunately. I wasn't here last week. TSCW, I see you. Um, but it's just good to be back on the radio airwaves talking to you a lot and we've got a very very nice show indeed today someone I've been wanting to get on the show for a while and then I finally realized how to get in touch with them via email via email how how bougie via email let's <laughs> go via email um, all things pastoral will be coming onto the show and he's asked to remain anonymous and I just love that love that just wants to be just all things pastoral and that's it because um, I do wonder, maybe, I, th I think it's that followers thing. You don't want your kids to find you on Twitter, even though they probably have already. Um, you don't want your kids to find you on Twitter sometimes. And I like the fact that he's remained anonymous all this time. Um, so we've got the battle of, or not even the battle, it's not a competition. We've got hashtag pastoral things against hashtag, or with, alongside hashtag pastoral CPD. As I said, we're going to be talking about all things pastoral, of course, with a focus on what it really means to be an anti-bullying school. Um, I sent a little message out earlier this week around it, just seeing what, what, cause a lot of schools will say it, but what does it actually mean? Like if you're actually an anti-bullying school, what would you expect to see or hear or whatever else when you walk around the building, talk to the kids, talk to staff and so on. That's the question I'm asking. And then we'll also talk about just mo the most common challenges. And it, I'm not talking low level disruption. I'm talking more deep than that. I guess it could fall into category of safeguarding stuff as well. Um, just a really frank discussion about what we're doing in our schools to to look after our kids in some of the most more tricky and sensitive situations. I wonder how everyone's week has been. I feel like everyone's been complaining on Twitter about being tired. Um, and I don't, I, I, I hear it. I hear it. If you've tweeted about being tired, about this being, someone said that it's like been the longest January ever. I can't believe only, it's nearly half term though. We've, I don't know how many weeks, was it one week to go, two weeks to go? I never know the dates. I put them in my calendar, but then I just forget about them. But then I know some people that just work towards the dates. Um, they just count down. Three more sleeps, four more sleeps, eight more sleeps. I don't know how long it is. We've got, I think, what, half time day, which is fairly convenient for all the, the people out there with their, with their partners 
and teachers that Valentine's Day is just the beginning of half term. I love the timing. I love the timing. So here's a reminder, if you're listening to the show and you've re- and you just realized, oh, it's Valentine's Day in a couple of weeks. It is. Sort yourselves out. I'm already sorted. <coughs> Not. Um, I will be. My, my partner's probably listening. I will be sorted. I'll put the plans in place to make a nice, nice day. Well, everyone's got plans for Valentine's. Let me know. Um, and let's get into it. If I was told, I was given a forewarning by my partner to not talk about this, but I need to. My laptop charger's at work. Okay, I left it at work because I'm a numpty. What it means is I'm currently charging my laptop with my phone charger and I don't hold out much hope. So I've put everything on battery saving, but if it gets to a point where my laptop just says, nah, we've only got 1% left, then I may have to end the show early. But fingers crossed that does not happen. Fingers crossed that does not happen. What we're going to do, we're going to get into this conversation straight away. So all things pastoral, it's going to be weird. I'm going to call you ATP. Um, I'm not, but I might just to kind of abbreviate it because saying those three words is a, a lot of syllables. ATP, please call in when you're ready and let's get this show on the road. Um, because just, yeah, I like ATP. It sounds like, um, I don't know what it sounds like. Maybe like a, an old nineties band, an old nineties like R and B band. What am I thinking of ATP? Like TLC and, uh. I can't think of any more. I'll try to think of more bands. Name me, me some groups that have three letters as an acronym. Uh, do you know what? ATP, call him one more time. I missed the invite button. I was too busy talking about um, R&B, 90s R&B bands. 3LW. <laughs> Apparently ATP is adenosine triphosphate in biology. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Not. Um, ATP, call in again, please. Because when you did call in, I, I missed the invite button. So that's my bad. I was too busy. Trying to be funny. 3LW, good shout. 3T, what's 3T? Miss Saeed, what's 3T? I don't know what that means. AT, that's what I'm thinking of. ATL, that is exactly what I'm thinking of. And with that in mind, ATP, I think you're in the studio. Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, loud and clear. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm not bad. Do you mind me calling you ATP, Mr. ATP? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's a less mouthful than calling me all things pastoral for the for the full hour, or hour and a half. Indeed, that's that is that is genuinely my thinking. It's just too many, <laughs> too many, too many syllables. Um, but thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on the show. I know you're a, a very busy, a very busy man. I imagine. No, no. Thank you for the invitation. It's great to be on. Excellent, excellent. So for the listeners, I know you can't, I don't, well, I wonder how much you're going to give away because there's a bit of a mystery about who you are, but can you give enough information to kind of like let them know your background, but obviously you don't have to give too much away, but what, can you give a little kind of intro about your connection to school, what your kind of experiences, um, yeah, experiences to date and that kind of stuff, please. Yeah, so I've been in education now for about, um, about, six years uh, before that I worked um, I did some community work um, and a part of that was working in a youth club um, and I really started to realize that actually you, you know working with young people and uh, being able to help them being able to support them uh, encourage them it, it was a real passion that I had um, and you know there's nothing better than being able to make a difference in a young person's life um, and so from there um, I, I left that work it, and went to join a school. Um, I went there as a pastoral assistant and I worked there for four or five years. Um, and then last September, I started as a head of year 
uh, in a new school. Um, so yeah, and it's just like you know, like I said, you know, I, I love working with the young people. I, I love um, you know the, the relationships you get to develop with the young people and the families, uh, and just being able to make a difference in uh, in their lives. So yeah, I've been in education about six years now. Oh, excellent. And I've, Karen, you've taken the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask, are you a teaching or non-teaching head of year? Uh, I'm a non-teaching head of year. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You... So the school... Sorry, go on. No, I was going to ask, is, I, I was going to ask, are all your, do you, are all your pastoral leads non-teaching is my question? Yeah. So uh, the school that I'm at now, uh, all the heads of years are non-teaching. Uh, so, so we don't have any teaching heads of year. Uh, that that's something at the school that I'm at. That's something that's recently just changed within the last sort of like eighteen months. Uh, prior to that, it was teaching, uh, but I think uh, if a new head teacher came in and, and he wanted a change, so that it went to non-teaching heads of year. Mm, I had a feel like I had we had a discussion. Well, not we. I had a discussion about this on a previous show because what's your so you've so if you've been in so you said this school had a recent change last eighteen months so. So you've seen when they had teaching heads of year and you've seen when they've had non-teaching heads of year. What's your, what what you think? What it, pros and cons, benefits of either one? What's your preference? I, I think the, I think the pro to a non-teaching head of year is ultimately that, you know, you can really invest that time. That There's so many pastoral issues now uh, amongst the young people um, that, you know, you can really set your, you've got all the time to be able to invest that without a, a teaching timetable. I guess to some degree, uh, I think, uh, uh, for one of way of putting it, a weakness or um, somewhere where maybe I lack an understanding where a teaching head of year would understand more. He's obviously in the academic side of things. Um, you know, I, I can't give the same to that. But, but I think, well, my own personal opinion at the moment, um, it, it must be very difficult um, for, for, for a, a teaching head of year to, to have that teaching timetable and then be able to invest the time um pastorally to the students um you know so i think that was the thinking behind moving to non-teaching heads of year yeah um, that, yeah no i agree that is that is it is a matter of time and i wonder what you guys in the in the chat think because i've worked in schools with both and i wonder if you've if um atp whether you've realized whether there's ever been any kind of do you notice any tensions between teachers and the non-teaching head of year when it comes to resolving issues that have cropped up in the classroom and I'm going to ask the, the room as well if you guys have noticed anything so I feel like in a previous school that I worked in we had pastoral staff that didn't teach um, and we had some that did but most pastoral staff didn't teach and then I was I was the teaching head of year so each year group had two leads it had a teaching head of year and it was had a non-teaching and I was in the middle essentially and I would hear I would hear the teachers like taking the mick out. No, not even taking the mick. The teachers kind of bad. No, not even bad mouth. I don't want to make, I don't, can't be the right phrase. Teachers speaking ill of the non-teaching pastoral stuff. And I heard the non-teaching pastoral stuff speaking ill of the teachers. And there was that, that was it. I had that tension. Have you ever experienced that tension before in your school? Uh, I'll be honest. No, I, I think the relationship between the, the teaching staff and the non-teaching staff at the, the school that I'm at is really healthy and really positive. Um, I, you know, I think it's a supportive um, environment. I, I, I guess ultimately the, the difficulty is sometimes you're dealing with issues, um, you know, that occur in the classroom and you're aware of something uh, that may be going on in that student's life that maybe, you know, the teaching staff might not be aware of. Uh, and so I think 
you have to have that trust, you know, amongst one another. You know, the teaching, the teaching staff have to have that trust for the non-teaching for the non-teaching heads of year or, or the pastoral staff, and ultimately the pastoral staff have to have that trust uh, as well. The teaching staff, but in the in the setting that I'm in, it's been a really positive relationship. Mm. Um, yeah. No, nice. I'm glad to hear it. It's, I'm, it's positive. I'm just trying to just play devil's advocate, essentially. TSCW said, I think it can depend on the level of training, possibly. Training for whom, TSCW? You're saying pastoral. You talk about teachers being trained in the more pastoral CPD. <laughs> Cheeky plug. Or are you talking about the pastoral staff being trained more in what happens in the classroom? I don't know. Uh, what? Yeah, please elaborate. How much time? This I'm gonna, I know I'm on a bit of a tangent moment, but how much time do you spend in the classroom in your role um atp do you do you spend some time i know obviously you work with kids outside of the classroom but do you is it do you find it part of your role to do you go into classroom to see what's actually going in in there or do you only deal with them once they're outside the classroom no i try to be hardest to get in classrooms you know just to be able to be a presence just to show my face get you know even if it's just you know sticking my head in uh, just so that you know both the pupils and the staff know that you're on hand. If there are any issues, you're in the area. You're making you, you're making yourself available. Uh, so I do try my hardest to get into classrooms as much as I can. Um, you know, I certainly don't like staying in the office and just trying to deal with. For one of way of putting it, I like to be proactive rather than reactive, and I think it's good to be visible and it's good to be a visible presence in the classroom. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and then Tia, TSCW's replied and they said. Um, training for pastoral staff, as I and I suppose teachers being trained, they can understand the balance, but not just employing someone in, into a pastoral role who is an available body and interest in it without giving them continuous CPD. Um, if they get CPD, then they can help with respect. Okay, so I think yeah, I think it, it's one of those things where both need to understand the other, the other, what the other's challenges are. I guess, and it's like I said when I was in a previous school, I got the impression that it was though because the pastoral team spent a lot of time in offices and the only time they the only time they kind of ended up near classrooms was if they were already picking up the child who i don't know was causing or who had been maybe sent out for example i don't remember i don't remember seeing them like just go into the back of the classroom and just kind of just observe i think it's worth if you're not a teacher and if you're not like trained as a teacher but you work in a school and you've got to deal obviously with kids that are in lessons it makes sense as far as i'm concerned to kind of if you can, like you said, get in the classroom, be visible, see what the classroom dynamics are like, because then you, and then as a non-teacher, you can start to see what the challenges the teachers, um, the teachers face. But then what also happened in my previous school, which was like one of the best things that happened, was they gave teachers um, an opportunity to shadow non-teaching pastoral staff for like, I think it was a week or so. And... And they got to, again, they got to realise and they got to kind of live in the shoes of the non-teaching pastoral staff and see what they have to grapple with on a daily basis. Because unfortunately, in the school that I worked in, it was a little bit, oh, would I use the word toxic? That was, that was bad vibes. Bad vibes where teachers thought that the non-teaching pastoral staff just sat around drinking coffees the whole day, having a little chin wag. And the pastoral staff were thinking that teachers weren't doing enough for those kids that are struggling. And there was that, there was that like split in... They just didn't understand each other. And then I think it's, I'm glad to hear that your school seems to have a bit more of a, well, a lot more of a kind of complementary relationship. But I wonder if there are still schools out there where the relationship is anything but, and still some conflicts between teachers not understanding what the pastoral world means. And also the pastoral world, not really understanding about the teaching world either. Um, yeah. 
just food for yeah, thought. That, yeah, and I think one of the key things as well is absolutely communication. Uh, you know, from my experience, I think sometimes, you know, if there's a breakdown in communication or a lack of communication, you know, I think it, for me it's healthy to, to to communicate as much as you can with teachers just to give them some understanding um you know otherwise i think sometimes teachers maybe are just unaware of what's going on or or, or if there's a certain you know if there's a particular issue with a student you know just to give the teacher sometimes you can't go into all the details but just to give them some understanding of uh you know things that might be going on um, so that actually within the classroom they can then put supports in place for the student. Yeah. Sometimes I, th- I think that's a, a key thing where you know it's really it's really important to make sure that there's a healthy communication between the two. Um, and I yeah. think where you do find the struggles, it's where there's a breakdown in that communication. No, no I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, teachers, that's the thing. Teachers often want to be kept in the loop, but then they they do appreciate they can't know everything. But we, all, we do, yeah. like you said, we need to tell them enough. Um, and I yeah. did some I did some previous shows on all stuff to do with like trauma informed practice and training stuff on how um, adverse childhood adverse childhood experiences can manifest themselves in in the behaviours that they witness in the classroom. So the teacher sees the behaviour, the pastoral staff knows the rest of the iceberg under the surface essentially, and those yeah. two need those two need to be connected to build the full picture because I think the pastoral team will know the hardship, and then maybe when they're dealing with the child. Sometimes I remember seeing like teachers always, again, I keep talking about this previous school, teachers always used to be a bit aggrieved when the kid would be like an absolute menace. I'm going to be real, like an absolute menace in the classroom. And then they'd see the pastoral team like kind of getting them. And this is, this is, again, this is what people used to complain about, getting them biscuits and a hot drink and sitting down, have a nice little chit chat, as opposed to like sometimes coming down them a little bit more stern. And that used to be a bit of a tension. But then I th- reason was teachers weren't teachers weren't trained in really understanding that the behavior that they witness is not just a defiant child. That can be a child that's experienced a whole bunch of horrendous things. Um, so sometimes what they actually need, they don't need to telling off. They do need an arm around them sometimes because that's a better approach sometimes. But then that because they weren't trained in that and they wouldn't really understand the science of it or the or not even the science, the psychology of it um they just they just thought why are you why are you giving them a hot chocolate and a biscuit when they just chucked a check across the room <laughs> like that's that's what that was the that was the kind of the debate and the and the argument but either way i've dwelt on it and i've just seen a lot of comments come in the chat actually one second um so miss saeed has said teaching staff need pastoral cpd and pastoral staff need curriculum cpd both groups need to fully collab to deal with behavior between them i agree um, on that, do you agree with that then, ATP yeah, as well? Yeah, I think so. And TSC, right, abso- absolutely, absolutely. Have you had any curriculum CPD in your role, or any anything to do with understanding, like the actual teaching side of of education? No, if I'm being honest with you, it's probably something that um, you know I lack in it, and probably something that I need more in. It, you know, and I think it is something that we're lacking. I th- I think in our setting, I think the teaching staff probably get more pastoral CPD, um, which has probably helped. But, you know, I completely agree with what Miss Aida said there, and I think that's something that I personally I've lacked in, um, you know, to, to give myself more of an understanding of the teacher role uh, within the classroom and what they're having to deal with. 
Mm, yeah, no, it's it's powerful. Take take it back to your leaders, mate. Go back, go back to your absolutely. School. Go back absolutely. Genu- but genuinely though, genuinely though, if you feel like there's a gap, that's I'll say gap. If there's something that's potentially holding you back from doing your role to its fullest potential, then by why why not suggest it? So wonder why not pose no, a, pose a, you know what I mean pose a question. I'd really like like I'd really like to get to know more about what teachers are dealing with and that kind of curriculum CPD. And I think it really enhance my ability to not only support the children but also support the teachers because yeah, that we, obviously our role is primarily about the kids. But for us to work as a team, we need to support our, our, our own colleagues as well. So yeah, by all means, Monday morning, knock on the door. <laughs> Monday morning, knock on the door. Um, yeah, we've got some more comments. So Karen's saying just this week. I had to explain to a parent about how his son is dealt with will be different to someone with complex issues. So I'm assuming Karen's maybe talking about how maybe the same behaviors being exhibited by two students, one of whom hasn't experienced many kind of adverse childhood experiences, but then one maybe has. And then, yeah, I, what, what does happen in schools is the one that's been through a lot of, a, well, essentially a torrid time um, does get dealt, they do get dealt with probably like the, like reasonable allowances are made I feel um, and and rightly so and rightly so um, then TSCW before we move on TSCW said that's very true Karen and it's why behaviour policies can be tricky and where there can be a conflict between teachers and pastoral and it isn't followed to the letter yeah it's like that kind of like when people talk about these zero tolerance schools um, and then you have that those complaints and those arguments back about you can't be as you can't be a zero tolerance school and also tend or attend or make reasonable adjustments for the needs of individual pupils i guess is the argument that some people what are your thought i don't know we're going complete we're not even talking about bullying yet what, what are your thoughts on it, <laughs> go on yeah it, it, it's really difficult isn't it ultimately you know every school will have a behavior policy and it's there in black and white that the difficulty is that while the behaviour is in black and white, a lot of what you deal with is grey. Mm. Um, and that's ultimately, yes, you've got your behaviour policy, yes, you've got your steps, yes, you you want to follow that, but you are aware of, you know, and, and this is where that relationship comes in, you are aware of issues where you do have to adapt and you do have to respond and you have to make those reasonable adjustments, uh, you know, where you're aware of uh, issues, where you're aware of, um your, your students and that that can cause conflict sometimes that yeah. can cause conflict between the teacher and pastoral staff at times because you, you know yes you got yes you've got the behavior policy yes you've got the steps but you, you know sometimes it just lands in a very gray area where actually you, you need to adapt it you need to have a, an understanding yeah. uh, you know that something might have to be handled differently Indeed, it's like that kind of. It's like I can just think of a situation where, in a lesson, let's say a kid has sworn at a teacher in a classroom, um, which the behaviour policy might state that swearing at a teacher means you either get an internal exclusion or maybe worse, depending on the school. It could be internal exclusion, yep. it could be actually suspension. But then, what might have happened is the pastoral team who picked it up were aware that this morning the child's I don't know alcoholic parent had something something something, then the child was already on edge. And the child's yep. gone into into maths period four and has been challenged about some sort of conduct, flipped their lid and swore at the teacher. The teacher's waiting to hear their confirmation email of the of the child following whatever the sanction policy is. And then maybe it doesn't happen. And then it gets a bit sticky. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that, do you know what I mean? That, yeah, that's where uh, it would get a bit sticky, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, ex- absolutely. And the reality is, you know, there does have to be a sanction 
because the reality is, well, in my opinion, yes, that there might be circumstances, you know, in, in which has caused that. But the reality is, you, you know, the teacher has to be supported. Um, you know, if someone's sworn at a teacher in front of 25 other students, the other 25 students have to see that, that that's not acceptable. However, like you say, your, your sanction may be according to your behaviour policy. Well, it might be an internal exclusion or it might be, you know, a suspension for a day or whatever it might be. But actually, it might just be that in that moment, the sanction is just to have a conversation, to move the student to have a conversation and just to restore that relationship with the teacher at the end of the end of the lesson or at the end of the day. Yeah. This is where it's very difficult. Yeah, I feel this like... is where it's difficult. No, definitely. I feel like it should be a thing where I, even, even in behaviour policies, there needs to be almost like a caveat sometimes that yeah, states... Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? that that states that these are the these are the like the expected these are the expected um, outcomes or sanctions or consequences for this type of behaviour? But the caveat is there may be extenuating circumstances that would warrant some sort of um, change in the outcome yeah. based on particular student circumstances. If you have that yeah. in your policy, I don't know. There's I don't know enough about policy making, but from what I gather, you can you can incorporate that into policy, and then if you explain that to teachers and the rationale for it, then maybe that's how we can we can get a balance. Either way, right? Let's actually talk about what we were supposed to talk about. But I think that you have you have the flexibility as as schools, and if it matters, if you really want to make sure to try and get everyone on side, then needs to be, like you said, you said everything's grey, you so you said everything's in black and white in a policy, but everything's grey, so then we need to align the two and actually address the greyness in the policy and say there will be some circumstances where for some reason we may, we may bend, but that's, that'll be because of particular, that'll, make, that'll be like, what's the word? Only a, uh, I can't remember the word, just when it wouldn't happen often, infrequent number of, of cases. Either way, either way. Um, yeah, ec- yeah. Karen just said it needs to be equitable. Agreed. And I think if you, and again in your policy, if you state that you will apply these equitably, taking into account the full context of the situation, for example, would be a nice way to um, would be a nice way to to frame it to make sure everyone's on the same page. Miss um, Kate says, "Yeah, I wasn't actually thinking about extenuating circumstances. I was just thinking about um, things being infrequent." So it'll just be exceptional circumstances, I think I was thinking of. Either way, let's talk about anti-bullying for a f- about 10 minutes before I go for an ad break. Um, just before we get into it, I guess we need to make sure we're defining our terms in the same way. Because I've actually had a conversation with some, some people about bullying, and it's interesting how people define it differently and the nuances of people's definitions. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, ATP, and I'm going to put you guys in the chat on the spot as well. What is your definition of bullying what constitutes bullying particularly bullying not unkindness bullying that's my question to you guys in the chat i'm going to give you a bit of thinking time and i'm going to give atp some thinking time um but i just wonder if everyone's got similar whether we're going to disagree on some stuff we might get some arguments i love it so yeah let me think let me know what would you define as bullying and atp if you're ready you've got you've got think you've got a bit of a definition bit of a definition yeah, lined I think, up there? yeah I, th- I think for me for for, for bullying you I'm I'm looking at something that's persistent, some, something that is uh, repeated. Uh, you know, where, where you see repeated actions, or somebody's just put in the the chat there, repeated harassment. Um, you, you know that that and that deliberate intent to upset or cause harm, uh, but but that persistent action. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, I think if it's not for me personally, 
I think for, I think repetition is um, a characteristic of building that you can't that needs to be there. I think if if personally if it's a one off and doesn't happen again, then I don't I wouldn't put into category of bullying. But where we get difficulties, where you've come against maybe and I've come against, is that what parents consider to be bullying is often different to what schools consider to be bullying, and that can yeah. have you had that kind yeah. of that parents can often say my child's been bullied, and yes. Yeah. Uh- yeah, I, uh, absolutely. You, you know, sometimes you'll speak to a parent and, you know, they phone up and they, it's an easy word to use, isn't it? There's been some, you know, unkind behaviour or there's been an isolated incident and you, you, you hear, you know, my, my, my child's being bullied and then you look into it a bit further and actually it's been a one-off incident which needs to be dealt with and needs to be handled. And nine times out of ten, you have that restorative conversation Um and it can be put right. I, I think in regard, one thing I say quite a lot to uh, students is, you know, you deal with an issue that might be an isolated incident, but I do often say to students, uh, you know, you, you now have an understanding that this that you've done, you, you know, it might be a comment uh, and they mean it as a joke um, and it's, it's caused upset to another student. You sit down with them, you have the conversation, you make them aware uh, that that's not something that that student enjoys. It's something that's upset them. It's something that uh, may have caused harm or, or whatever it may, may be. Uh, and I often say to students, now I'm now making you aware that that person doesn't like that. So therefore, we need to stop. We need to stop. And if it's something that continues at that point, I'm going to consider it to be something that might be a bullying because I'm making you aware that they don't like it. I'm making you aware that it's not nice. I'm making you aware that it's upset them or caused harm or whatever it might be. And therefore, if it continues, and I think it's that, it's also doing the action with that understanding of I'm actually I'm actually harming them, I'm upsetting them. Mm, mm. Yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to come to you in a second. What you just said is powerful as well. And Pete, um, Pastoral Pete, who's who's an avid listener recently, I've, I've got him into the show recently as well. Um, so yeah, so I did, the reason why this came up is because I did an assembly on anti-bullying and I had to kind of decide for the kids what I consider to be the characteristics of it. And Pete, you mentioned something I forgot to mention. So Pete's mentioned a power imbalance. And so what I went on to say in like the assembly about this kind of stuff was not only power, it could be power in terms of age. It could be someone who's, that I thought that the reason I'm saying this is if a one, one year eight boy is mean or unkind to another year eight boy, and then both are kind of mean to each other, then it doesn't fall into the category of bullying for me personally. But then yeah. the, pow- the power imbalance that Pete's talking about could be um, year nine and year seven, it could be year eight on year seven, but it could be year eight on year eight if there's an imbalance of what I, in the, I think I called it status or influence or like, fr- like you could have someone who's just, who's got, I don't know, six, seven, eight really close friends and they're all kind of talking to the year eight who's only got two kids and they're being very unkind. There's an imbalance as well. And I feel like there should be some sort of imbalance as a as an element. I agree, Pete, um, because the reason I'm saying this is I had some parents I used to that message school saying, my, my kid's being bullied. And they looked at messages and it ended up both boys just being unkind to each other. Like they were just cussing yep. each other. They were just cussing each other. And the parent had seen, I think the parent had maybe only seen, or maybe seen both messages and had said, my kid's been bullied. Look at this. Look at the message he's been sent. And I said, to be honest with you, like your, your child has been unkind back. Um, and they could have, they could have made better decisions to not be unkind back. And that, I feel like that prevents it from being bullying personally. 
because I don't feel like there's an imbalance there. But I don't know if people agree or disagree with that. Um, I don't, yeah, mutual bullying is like a, is a weird, a weird one for me. I don't feel like it's possible. But I don't know if people, maybe people disagree. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, but either way, and then what you mentioned. So this is what comes down to the next bit, just around how you kind of tackle it and deal with it. And I agree on the kind of the first, the first time it comes to your attention needs to be handled very tactfully. I agree because we need to expect. I feel like we need to expect the best of kids. Even where there's been unkindness that's been repeated, I feel like we need to expect the best from kids. In by that I mean, like you said, the first tackle it, it's kind of saying, we now know what you're doing, what well, we know what you're doing. You now know the effect that it has on the victim is XYZ. Yeah. You now know the consequences if this were to continue, and you have your restoratives, and then you give them that one final opportunity to get it right. Because I don't know, I feel like that, does that always need to be there? I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just asking you guys, does that always need to be there? Because when I've dealt with bullying in the past or potential bullying, I like to call it in the past, I feel like I've always had that layer of it's now come to our attention. Completely unacceptable. These are why, yeah. against our values, against our culture, against everything else, the effect on the victim, blah, 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 blah. It needs to stop. And if it doesn't, then we'll go down that sanction path for bullying when it comes to exclusions and so on and so forth. I wonder if people yeah. have the same, do you have the same, you saying you have the same approach? Is it all the time you think? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. For me personally, as soon as something's brought to your attention, you know, I, I like to have that conversation um, to, 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 I guess, to the, the depth in what, you know, in what you have that, sorry, in terms of the depth of what conversation you have, I, I think you take that in terms of each case, you know, for example, um, I think ultimately, if a student's feeling that, you know, someone's being unkind to them, sometimes you might hear it and sometimes you might feel, you know, actually, you know, you might feel yourself that's something or nothing, but actually, as soon as we have that view, we're completely invalidating how that other student's feeling. Mm. You know, so, so, so even if, to me as a member of staff, it might seem like something or nothing for one other way of putting it, but actually for that student, it is something... Yeah, uh, and, and you know they uh, and they need to they need to feel like they've been listened to they, you know yeah. they need to know that they've been listened to so i would always have that conversation uh you know because every student has to feel like you know th that they're being listened to you know and that you care uh, about yeah. how they're feeling so so i'd always have that initial conversation you know even and, and even for the other student you know who's maybe made a comment it might be a, they might feel like it's a something or nothing comment but nonetheless, that other student's been hurt. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, or, that's... Or they, they, they've been impacted. So, so you know, for the student and for the families, they all have to feel like they're being listened to and that they're being heard and that the voice is heard. So I'd always have that initial conversation. Um, and, and I do think, well, personally, nine times out of ten, I think once you've had that first conversation, I think it does stop. Um, that's certainly my experience. Like you say, if, if it doesn't, then you go down the roots of, well, actually, this is now persistent behaviour. This is, uh, you know, we've had this conversation. I've made you aware that that person doesn't like X, Y, and Z. But I would always have that first conversation. No, the, the other student the other student has to feel like, you know, they can come to you. And the reality is, I've said it on Twitter before, 
you know, for them, it, it might seem a small thing, but actually if a student can't trust you with the small things and to be able to talk to you about the small things and actually that you're going to listen and deal with the small things, they're certainly not going to trust you with the big things. No, definitely. Um, definitely. It's all about does that relationship. Yeah, no, agreed. And what you were saying, Miss Saeed actually commented, I meant to mention it. She was, she mentioned that it's about the student's perception as well. So I had, we've had, I've had instances where it's often, this often happens to like friendship circles where it's a, you, and most commonly that I've dealt with, it's been, boys and maybe a, 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 a female friend and they've made a comment about actually made a comment about the female friend um they've meant it to be inverted commas banter but then the the female the the girl has obviously has taken it very sensitively maybe it's about a part of their appearance and so on and so forth so yeah what you said about the student's perception miss said is very powerful what we're going to do before we go to the ad break i'm going to ask a question or three to the group a bit of a quiz i don't know the prizes um but there was a i've got a, there was a survey um, this is yeah. There was a survey carried out by an anti-bullying organisation um, in 2020. Question number one, and I'll reveal the answers after the ad break. That gives you a reason to come back. Hey, see what I've done there? Like a like a pro trick. The question number one is: What proportion of young people between 12 and 18 have been bullied in the past year? That's question number one. I'll say it again. I might be able to type it during the ad break. What percentage of young people between 12 and 18 have been bullied in the last year, according to this survey? Um, the second question is, what do you think the most common reason given by young people for why they think they were bullied? That's the second question. What do you think the most common reason was given that was given by young people as to why they were bullied? And the third question is, what percentage of young people have reported witnessing bullying? I'm going to type them in the chat because we're going to go to the ad break. Hopefully the audio is working, everything else. Um, and I'll type the question in the chat. And the one who gets the closest wins a prize. And I don't know what that prize is. Maybe just be a round of applause. Who knows? But we're going to do, we're going to take the ad break. It'll be about seven or eight minutes. That's enough thinking time. As Miss Saeed says, it's time for go for a tea and a wee. Um, that's what Miss Saeed says. Shout out to you. I've, I've nicked it. It's the last time I'm going to nick it though. It, it's yours. You can, you can copyright it. Um, but let's let's go to the ad break now, and I'll catch I'll catch you guys on the other side of this. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram 
or join a free briefing by visiting littlewonderlettersandsounds.org.uk. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. A report in The Independent makes it clear that Ofqual's chief regulator believes that changes to the 2022 examinations will not advantage more able pupils. As a result of the disruption caused by the pandemic, pupils in England and those students sitting GCSE from English exam boards will be offered a choice of topics in some GCSE exams. In a speech to the Sixth Form Colleges Association conference earlier in January, Chief Regulator Joe Saxton said the release of advanced information on the kinds of topics pupils will see in their exams would not advantage higher ability pupils. This advanced information is due on February the 7th and is being released to help students focus their revision to answer questions carrying more marks. It will not be provided for simpler one or two mark questions. In a statement, Ms Saxton said that she hoped that the advanced information will mean students who suffered the most disruption or those who are less able may gain confidence to tackle elements of the paper that they might not previously had the confidence to try. In response to the comments, Jeff Barton, General Secretary of Askell said, many school leaders will have legitimate concerns about how the advanced information about exam content has been put together and how helpful it is likely to be to their students. Radio 1 presenter Vic Hope has returned to a former school in Newcastle to open its new wellbeing centre. In a report on the ITV News website, it is described how Ms Hope opened the centre at Dame Allen's in Fenham by stating, It's been important to me in my work to raise awareness, destigmatise, and signpost resources dedicated to nurturing the psychological and emotional wellbeing of our young people. And I am so proud that the Dame Allen's is clearly doing this work so well too. Ms Hope is a human rights activist and Amnesty International ambassador and has spoken candidly about mental health in the past. The Snug at Dame Allen's offers counselling, psychotherapy and special educational needs support and provides a dedicated place where students feel safe, heard and understood. 
With mental health and well-being now a key focus for many schools, Ms Hope praised the efforts made by schools to support pupils in this way. The news website Monitor reports on lessons the continent of Africa can learn about investing in education. It states that the universal lesson is that countries can no longer ignore the unprecedented learning crisis facing the continent. The pandemic has revealed what the article describes as alarming inequalities in accessing inclusive and quality education. The issue was discussed by leaders at the Global Education Summit, co-hosted by Kenya and the UK in London last week. The continent is facing some harsh realities and the summit launched a drive to increase national budget allocations for education, with greater emphasis on improving learning outcomes. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in. They signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser, so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. Share collections of links in a meaningful way for free. My favourite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or, if you love whiteboard, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your classes' whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Right, yo, welcome back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We were, thank you, those that have just joined. I've got a lot of people that joined the studio just now. You're listening to Teachers Talk Radio. This is the Sunday lunch show with me, Khalil Rouse. I was about to say on Teachers Talk Radio again, but I already said that. Um, so we've been on since one o'clock, GMT that is. We've got about 35, 36 minutes left of the show, and we're talking all things bullying. Before the show, before the show, um, before. The um, what was I going to say before the ad break, I asked three questions. Thank you to those people that well, I tell you those people, two people. <laughs> Shall you ask a question to the class, and then everyone just sits there blankly and no one even answers. That's what it felt like. I asked three questions, and I like it's almost like I asked people to turn and talk about it, and everyone just sat there and stared at each other. Um, the questions I asked were 
Question one. What proportion of young people aged between 12 and 18 have been bullied in the past year, according to this survey by the group called, it's called Ditch the Label in 2020. Um, Karen came in with 30%. Pastoral Pete came in with 40%. And according to this survey, it was 25%. So Karen, well done. You were the closest one. It was a 50-50 chance, essentially. Um, so well done. It was 25% of, of young people between 12 and 18 have been bullied in the past year, according to this report. Uh, the next question was, what's the most common reason given by young people for why they think they were being bullied? And you both got that one right. It is around their appearance or how they look. And the last one around what percentage of young people reported witnessing it. Um, it, it was, according to survey, 26%. So I think Karen went quite high on 50 and Pete went astronomically high on 70. And according to survey, it's 26%. But I guess maybe that's people perceiving it as banter potentially and therefore not thinking it's bullying oh they were only making a joke therefore it's not bullying maybe because kids have kids have a warped perception of what bullying is who knows but i guess this is where we come into the school and what we're going to talk about is how we can try and be in what does an anti-bullying school even look like because surely if you agree with me atp an anti-bullying school is a lot more than responding to bullying incidents with restorative conversations and sanctions and so on and so up. It starts way before that. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Um, I completely agree. It goes, like I say, it goes well before, uh, well, well before that. You know, ultimately, you know, if, it, if, it, if it's the first thing you just mentioned, you're always just being reactive and never actually dealing with anything. Um, there's got to be stuff in place well before that. Yeah, agreed. So I've got this article in front of me um, that I've been kind of, I've had in, in, the, um, in the background this whole time. So then it talks about, it says how to help young people. So this is about a proactive approach. So if you're in a school um, where you think bullying is, is a problem, it's, it'll be worth maybe reflecting on your school practice and seeing if any of these resonate with you. So what this article says is, it starts by saying that many people wonder why a child or young person doesn't stand up or confront the person or people bullying them. Um, and there's often, as Pete said, there's often a power imbalance which causes the target of the bullying to feel unable to defend themselves. And what it says is a starting point is for the school to make sure that young people have a clear understanding of what bullying is and what peer-on-peer -peer abuse is. We can't assume that they know what it means, which means we need to actively teach them. So you need to look, if you're in a school and you're listening, thinking that bullying is an issue, you need to ask yourself, do the kids understand that what they're doing is technically peer-on-peer -peer abuse or technically um, bullying? And if not, how can you intertwine that or interleave that into your tutor times and so on and so forth to actually get them to learn about it? But more importantly, I think, to get them to discuss and be and grapple with it and actually engage with it and not just have it told to them. Um, the article goes on and says, yeah, it says, encourage open discussion on the differences between young people. And this should include topics such as ethnicity, disability, religion, gender, really being really open about the differences, about what makes the human race so wonderful in its variety and being really open about um, ethnicity, disability and religion and gender. And all those things can create hopefully a more inclusive environment where people aren't seeing um a person's ethnicity or sexuality or gender as a reason to mistreat them. And they need to be explicitly taught this, I feel. Um, even though some people, I feel like they come to school knowing it, um, but I feel like we still need, we have a responsibility to still explicitly teach it. Um, do you agree, disagree? 
No, absolutely. I, I totally agree. It's absolutely about education and educating. And I think you know one of the one of the key things you said right at the start there was you know we can't just assume uh, that the students know it. It absolutely has to be something that you know we're, we're teaching, something that we we focus on on a regular basis. You know, sometimes it can't just be something that's you know done on a one-off or, or we feel like we just do once or twice um, in an academic year. It's something that's going to be. Um, constantly being taught to the kids so that they do have that understanding of what peer on peer abuse is that, that they have an understanding of the impact uh, of what certain behaviours have uh, you know something that you know you mentioned in regards to you know some students see things as banter um, but actually it's just for me it's a lack of uh, education it's a lack of understanding of actually you know the harm that it does cause no, definitely. And, uh, and you know, so, something that they might just take as a throwaway comment. You, you know, for example, you, you you hear comments in regards to you know, in particular, you might hear something that's homophobic, and they just say, "Well, everyone says it." Well, yeah, everyone might say it, but it's not right. And there's a lack of education that needs to be picked up on, um, and the kids constantly need to, the students constantly need to be taught, constantly need to be reminded, um, you know, of the impact of things that they say. Um, on each other, uh, on each yeah. other, and it does start with that education on a regular basis. No, definitely, definitely. Um, Karen, I'm glad to come. I was going to come. To something you just said, Karen. So Karen in the in the chat saying for sure we need to be also leaning on the Equality Act um, and protected characteristics. And I was going to say, so I've done, I did an assembly on um, uh, Human Rights Act and individual liberty and all this kind of stuff. When I was teaching, well, I say teaching, I was just, I was. This wasn't teaching. This was more telling because it wasn't a collaborative thing. It was just telling them about protected characteristics and also about the human right to be the absolute human right to be free from inhumane or degrading treatment. And like, if you the kids don't know this, they like, which kid knows about their absolute human rights unless they're told about it? And then when you start speaking to kids around things around bullying or just unkindness, which could obviously lead to bullying, you can say, hold on, do you know that you've got a literally, you've literally got an absolute right to be free from degrading or inhumane treatment, which means it is your, no one could ever legally degrade you. We can't, adult, parents can't, your friends can't legally do it, teachers can't, the police can't. So everything we're doing around anti-bullying isn't just because we're a school and we're trying to do what schools do. We are standing up for everyone's individual rights and everyone's individual liberties to have respect for their own um, protected characteristics and all that kind of stuff. And if you raise the level of it to kids, they start to realise why, because I think they feel like, a lot of kids feel like, oh, you're being extra, being extra, it's not that deep, it's not that deep. But then when you actually raise the bar and say, hold on, this is a legal thing. This is not just a school trying to be nitpicky and make sure everyone um, has all their, their, their P's and Q's in order. We're literally standing up for everyone's individual rights. And if you explain that to kids, then you, they start to realise how serious it is. Because I feel like it does get, like we, like I was saying about banter, the older kids get, the more normalised <laughs> certain comments become, the more they brush it off and think, ah, it's not that deep, it's not that serious. Um, and Karen went on to say, do you think it should or could be built into a tutor time programme? I say 100%. I work in a school where it is at the moment, um, where they have a lot of, their tutor times are all around what we call values and character. And... A lot of that is around equality, diversity. Um, we have sessions on um, mutual respect. Peer-on-peer -peer abuse is something that we're trying to get into the curriculum, um, teaching them about all the hard-hitting things we're trying to teach them about because we'd rather have kids that are um, knowledgeable of the more harsher realities of life than ignorant of them. 
Um, and I think it's really important that we have we have a responsibility as teachers to to make them up well to try to make them positive and upstanding contributors to our community, and learning about their upskilling their kind of character is crucial. So if you're in a school where you think they're not tackling this head on and they're just being reactive, then you need to utilize tutor times more, I think, and have discussions and grapple with things that that are relevant. Um, to the young people, and that will that will to do with like sexual harassment, peer on peer abuse, bullying, racism, um, ageism, everything. All those things that are really that we know go on in the adult well, in the real world that are so contentious. Well, not contentious. That are so like sensitive. We got to put on the table because we need to create that. If kids can't discuss it in a safe space with an adult, then they're just going to discuss it on social media with their little buddies and be influenced by everything they see on TikTok. So we need to like, we're the people, if it's got, it's either at home or it's got to be in school. And I feel like schools are more safe space to interact with loads of young people at the same time. Home will just be you and your parent. But if it's not a school and it's not at home, it'll be on social media. And they need to hear it somewhere safe. They need to have the, the contentious, the sensitive discussions about really hard hitting topics being a safe environment because otherwise they'll be influenced by, by num- nonsense on social media. These are my... Uh, my ass rant, rant over <laughs> on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, the article goes on and says, this can be implemented by developing an effective, so this is RSHE programs, so relationship, sex and health education program and the wider curriculum. Um, interesting. So this is said, and I've never done this before. It said, include role play situations, which the children can develop and where they can take the lead help children to acquire confidence and assertiveness skills that can help them respond to a bullying situation. This includes the use of body language to show others that they're confident and self-assured and the use of assertive language to stop someone who is trying to hurt or embarrass them. That is something I've never even thought of doing. Never. No, Have you? no, say, no same here. I've, I've, I've never thought, but it sounds like a good idea. Sounds like, a, sounds like something to look into. Gen- genuinely, because I feel like... I've had some. I had a conversation very recently with um, a young person who was saying that people being unkind. And my first question to them, after I had, of course, validated their feelings and so on and so forth, my first question to them was, "Have you told them that you don't like what they're saying or doing?" That was my first yeah. question. I just have. Have you told them? And and the and the, I think yeah, it was a girl. And she said no. And I said, "Listen, I said you." And I said to her, and when when I spoke to parents afterwards, I was like, "I really want." To make, I want to develop her and others' characters to the point where they feel confident enough to say, you know what, I don't like what you're doing. Can you please stop? Can you please stop what you're doing? I don't like it. Stop what you're doing. That kind of, but not every child has got that innately to tell someone to stop if they don't like it. Some just kind of stay silent and accept it or not accept it. Stay silent and they're like passive, essentially. And I feel like maybe that's because we're not actually, like this article saying, maybe we're not, we're not training them in that sense. When's the last time we did any role play on trying to get kids to be more assertive in these situations? I've never done it. I don't know if anyone in the chat's ever done it. I've never seen it. Maybe there's a gap. It's food for thought. I've never thought of it. Um, And then TSCW said, that sounds good, as is bystander training or sessions on bystander behavior. Indeed. Indeed. So I'm assuming you mean the, the people that, well, obviously bystanders, that part of the group witness the unkind behavior and then just are silent when it's going on. So it's that whole kind of silence is compliance thing. But again, it's, we need, if we want children to behave a certain way in the classroom, we teach them about hands up. We teach them about 
ask, not calling out. We teach about sitting up straight. We teach them about this. We teach them about that. But when's the last time we taught children explicitly how to be assertive without getting themselves in trouble, how to be politely, maturely assertive in situations where someone's trying to potentially bully or be unkind to them? I don't think we've done it. So that's food for thought for me. Maybe it's food for thought for other people in the room about how we can intertwine that because at the moment, kids are taking things into their own hands. But what do we expect if we're not, teach, if we're not actually teaching them how to deal with things in a better way without actually getting themselves into trouble themselves? Because a kid will be bullied and then deck someone in response and then wonder and then I argue back about why, why am I getting in trouble? I, I punched them out of self-defense. They'll be unkind. I'm saying, uh, better ways to deal with it. But it's always been reactive. But I've never taught anyone explicitly how to, how to respond to those kind of situations without resorting to swearing, violence, cussing someone's mum. Like I've never, like I've never taught, I've never explicitly taught it. So why, why am I surprised that they don't know how to do it? Interesting. Wait, wait, my brain's, my brain's, <laughs> my brain is ticking over at the moment. I'm just thinking this through. What are you thinking? Yeah, it, no, no, it, it, it's the same here. You sort of like this role play. I, I've never. I've never thought about it. I've never done it myself. Uh, and like you say, you know, I think sometimes we have we have an expectation that the student should just know how to respond to something or how to deal with something. But you're absolutely right. The reality is if we don't teach it, if we don't sit down and invest that time in in developing that, why should they know what to do? Mm. Um, and I think it's certainly something. Um, I quite like the idea of this role playing, actually. I think it's something I'm certainly going to take away and look into. Um, in terms of developing character and 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 how to handle uh, situations, and how to deal with issues. Yeah, because um, you've got it's that it's that thing where you've got you have some parents who have so Miss Kato Stem in the chat is saying that uh, never done it in school, but I've always said that I teach my son how to stick up for and advocate for himself. You have parents that will be proactive in that, but you you're never it's never going to be the case where every parent's done it. But you will have yeah, parents, and, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, and again, the reality is, you know, our assumption is that the parents know how to do that, uh, and for a lot, <laughs> yeah, you know, the the, the the parents the parents won't know, uh, 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 and you know, so again, we we can't really assume that either. And I think school definitely is the best place, and uh, not only that, it's, you know, it, it's the most consistent place as well. You know, the reality is, if you, if you've got a school of a thousand people, you might have a thousand different approaches that parents are telling their students, uh, uh, telling their children, sorry. Uh, and you know where it says for example you know teaching teach how to stick up and to advocate you know some parents actually will teach their child to stick up for themselves just by you know whacking somebody else mm -hmm. uh, and actually you know it's not the right way to deal with it uh, so yeah we do have to teach how to we have to teach our young people we have to teach our students how to be able to stick up for themselves how to be able to advocate for themselves but to, to you know, to be able to do that in the right way, no, to be able to do that in the right way, and to educate them. But I think you know what what you said is really key. The fact is, if we're not teaching it, if 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 we're not, if all we're ever doing is assuming that they know how to do it and not actually teaching it, well, we're going to be on the back foot. Yeah, no, Miss Saeed's coming. Miss Saeed, have you ever done? It's going to sound like a weird question. <laughs> have you ever done any role playing? Your well, yeah, role playing your setting. And then Karen said she likes the idea of role playing. Um, yeah, I've, I've never done it. And I wonder, Miss Aid said role play is key, helps students recognise when they are being bullied and how to deal with it, as well as recognise if they are a bully and how to stop. And I guess, and again, like we do with 
we do role play with with staff sometimes. In my school, we've done role play. What I say when we try to like when we've got any kind of new routines or initiatives or anything else, we practice it. And we practice. And we practice because we don't assume that we can just say stick up for yourself and then know what it means and they know what it means. But schools aren't. We're not. At a, we're not in a situation yet. I don't hear of many schools, and I'm probably going to end up tweeting about this afterwards. I don't hear about many schools where they're saying, "Oh, we actually, we teach our students explicitly how to." Uh, be assertive, stick up for themselves in times of injustice in terms or when someone's trying to bully them or or harm them in a way that, like you said, isn't just, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deck them instead, like I'm just going to punch them. Because that, although that may solve the issue temporarily, it also gets the child in a spot of bother. Um, but, and again, what you said around parents, it can be, yeah. Well, I, wouldn't, I would never go as far as to say blind leading the blind, but I would go as far as to say that we only know what we've been taught. Or what we've experienced. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And even from parents, they only know what they've experienced or been taught themselves. So they're going to pass Absolutely. on what they understand to be the best way. Stick up for yourself. If someone, if someone, because a lot of the time you hear if someone pushes you or punches them back, then you can punch them back, is what people hear. And I have to have so many conversations about the difference between self defense and retaliation and so on and so forth. And that nuance is missed on a lot of kids, but it's also missed on a lot of parents. And there is a subtle difference between retaliation and self-defense and most don't, um, well, in my opinion, most don't realize it and they think that, well, if he punched me, I'm going to punch him back. And I said, why did you have to? Because he punched me first, I'm going to punch him back. I said, okay, but you realize you've retaliated? No, 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 I've defended myself. I said, mm, potentially, but in this situation, you, you punched him and then you just continued to punch him. <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. You've, you've, you've potentially defended yourself but then you've just become the aggressor. Yeah, 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 but it was self-defense. No, 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 no you've now retaliated and, and made it worse. But like those, but that's, that when I say, when I've said that to kids in the past, it's like, it's the first time they're hearing it. So, and that's like to a year 11. So we need to start teaching these kids in, in primary school, or I, I don't, let me not talk about primary because I don't know much about primary, but in secondary school, definitely the ones I've worked in, I've never seen anything around how to be assertive and stick up for yourself in a way that will maintain your own integrity and make sure you don't do anything that's going to get you into a spot of bother as well. Um, interesting. And then Miss Saeed's come back and said, not practical, but discuss case studies um, from both perspectives. Oh, from both perspectives, that's PSHE lessons, that's informed time. Um, Leanne's come in and said, so many tasks we ask of children and expect them just now to do it. Agreed. Agreed. We do, don't we? Um, and then we get surprised when they don't know how to do it. And they say, why don't you know how to do it? And they say, I don't know. <laughs> like, we, you didn't teach me. Karen said, although our PE team has started self-defense, interesting, interesting. I've never, I've not heard of a PE team doing self-defense. Um, and that's new. I've not heard of that myself. I don't, well, I imagine it's been happening across the country. I don't know all the schools. And then Leanne said, maybe smaller curriculums and more space for PSHE life skills. Agreed. If it's not going to be in school, when is it going to be? So it's all about priorities, isn't it? If a school prioritizes their actual character development of their of their young people. They'll make time for it in some shape or form if they think it's important. And yeah, and then Miss Said, oh, okay. Miss Said said, not informed time. They have a timetable PSHE lesson per week. Right, okay. So I know some people's some people's PSHE lessons are um, are integrated into the timetable. Some are done informed time. So that's the difference. Okay, what we're gonna do, we're gonna, I feel like we're gonna end, hold on, let me just finish. Um, it says to finish off how to help them, it goes, um, consider positive changes. So it could be staff training, better supervision, reorganization of activities. And it also says involve parents and carers so that they feel confident the school takes bullying seriously and that incidents are dealt with. 
And it also says to reflect on your own behaviors and whether you are assertive, passive, or aggressive. Interesting. Um, what we're going to do, Pete, if, you've, if you're happy to stay on for the last 15, I was just going to ask you what, beside, well, if we move, park bullying for a moment, what would you say in terms of pastoral and or safeguarding are the most prevalent issues that you're dealing with at the moment um, with your young people? See if they're, then, if they're the same as mine. What are you most commonly dealing with at the moment? Um, I, th I think at the moment we're seeing a, a high level of uh, anxiety among students. Uh, I, I think self self harm and yeah. um, anxiety and is a big one at the moment. I, I'm head of year eight, and I, I think with everything that we've just gone through, especially with COVID as well. You know, sometimes I'm. I can be quick to forget it. The last full year these students had in school was year five. Mm. Um, you, you know, they had, they had a disrupted year six, they had a disrupted year seven. Um, and I would argue that they're probably two of the most important years um, in a school life. In year six, you, you come into the end of your primary school, you're leaving friends and friendships that you may have had. You go into a new setting. You, they've missed out on having that transition from primary to secondary. Um, it, you know, the, the, there's been... I just think for, for year eights at the moment, I, I'm seeing a high level of... Um, a, a high level of anxiety. And I have seen a ramp up in uh, behaviour issues, but, but ultimately... You know, they're now in year eight, um, and this is probably the longest they've been in school now since sort of early 2020. Yeah. Um, and I think you can see a massive impact that that's having. But but if I had to say that the, the big thing at the moment that I'm seeing an increase of, uh, like I said, I, th I think anxiety and self-harm have been two really big things. 100%. Um, I was going to say, no, no, what you've taken, those are my two. So my two is anxiety, self-harm, and what's coming out, what's coming a little bit now is eating disorders are coming in, uh, not coming, they've always been around, but I feel like they're creeping up more. But anxiety and self-harm are, are the two that I feel like I'm grappling with on a daily basis. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.